I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me for this episode, our Western Conference Mega Betting Preview. And every episode of the season is my friend, our Western Canadian buddy, Nick Martin. And Nick, uh, we have a lot to talk about. 16 teams in the Western Conference, including the defending Stanley Cup champions. Let's just start with them. Uh, we'll start in the Central Division. The Avalanche are the clear favorites. Uh, plus 450 uh, is the highest number I saw. They're between you know plus 380, plus 450, but no one's close. Every other team is basically in the double digits. I don't disagree that the Avalanche should be the clear favorite. But I think that there's enough here that scares me away from betting them. And it comes down to the goaltending. Alexander Georgiev, who I actually think I'm a little bit higher on than other people because his situation in New York was just very strange. He was supposed to be the starter. Uh, you know, kind of they were grooming him to be. And then Shesterkin, of course, caught fire in the KHL. They brought him over and it just wasn't close. Um, and I like Pavel Franco, but still with that goaltending tandem, and even though the team cannot score those problems and the fact that they lost Nas Kadri and, and Andre Burakovsky, I think there's enough questions to be asked of this team that you can probably just wait and get a number, uh, maybe a little higher uh, as the season goes on or, or this number. So I just, I just wouldn't be rushing to bet them. I know you're higher uh, on Colorado than I am. And, and you were last season and, and were proven right. Yeah, so for me, I still think they're just they're strong at that price because the central I think is quite weak, and just compared to all the other top teams, mainly coming out of the East, I think there's such a good chance they get to round three, which is what I love about that as a future. There's a really it's hard for me to see their floor not being quite high. They still got McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, Landeskog, a whole bunch of guys that we know are going to be studs. McCarr and Taves will be the best deep pairing in the league again if they stay healthy. So I think there is. There's a lot of room for upside, but yeah, at the same time, if you don't want to rush to get some money down, like the price is probably going to stay around that middle of the year. So it is what it is there, I believe. Now let's talk about a team I think has some long shot value. That's the St. Louis Blues. You can find them as high as 40 to one uh, in the betting market to win the Stanley Cup. The Blues overperformed by their underlying metrics last year. I think that's why a lot of people are out on them and a lot of people who do modeling and whatever are having a tough time backing them to do what they did last season, which was uh, make it to the second round and lose to the Avalanche, uh, partly because Jordan Binnington got hurt, but still 109 points, one of the best offensive teams in the NHL last season, which is not something we were used to saying uh, about this team. Uh, 43 of their 49 wins came in regulation. And the forward depth, despite the fact that they lost David Perron, is still quite good. Uh, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo should continue their trajectory. Uh, as, as two of the better young forwards in the league. Uh, they have a great supporting cast with a great two-way center in, in Ryan O'Reilly. Braden Shen is still a, a really good uh, NHL scorer. Pavel Buchnevich is a first-line winger. We've, we've learned that now. Uh, so the defense core, I think, is is not great, but maybe a little bit better than people expect With if, as long as Tory Krug can stay healthy. I believe in Jordan Bennington. I know he's... Uh, he, got his detractors both on and off the ice but on just in terms of like on ice play uh he was good the season before last then he was bad in the regular season but that could have just been a confluence of circumstances where he lost his starting job and he's the type of guy that just is not gonna cope with that um so now that he's the clear starter should have a clear mind should be healthy i think he can backstop this team i think the ceiling's high uh and i think that you touched on i think that the, the gap between the avalanche and the rest of the division is so wide 
that you can make an argument for basically any team below Colorado to be the second best team. And, and for me, it would be the Blues. Yeah, I like the Blues more than some of the teams in the mix there for sure. I think Cairo, Thomas, we know are going to be pretty elite players this season. I think the offense should still click pretty well. So yeah, I and yeah, totally think they have more upside than the rest of what I feel is a pretty weak central division this season. And and these two teams are paired together a lot because one of whom one of them the betting market always is infatuated with, which is the Minnesota Wild. They're minus four hundred uh, to make the playoffs. I think betting against that's actually pretty good uh, number. The Wild, unlike the Blues, they had great five on five numbers, but they also overperformed. Like they were scoring three point two goals per sixty minutes at five on five last season. And that was with Kevin Fiala, who is gone, and they were just shooting the lights out. Like their expected goals numbers were were you know, more than half a goal below that. And this, I know that the center depth held up last year with, with Erickson Eck, uh, Hartman, Freddie Goudreau uh, down the spine. But like, you look at that unit and you can see like if they could struggle and they're just not deep. I know Matthew Boldy had a good first 47 games and Marco Rossi is a, you know, highly touted rookie. So you could see them, you know, stepping in and pro- helping to replace some of the Fiala production. But you know, that's asking too many questions. But my biggest concern is, you know, people keep talking about Marc-Andre Fleury being a great, you know, signing for the Wild and whatever. He was bad last year. You, you want to draw a line through it because Chicago was bad. Fine. He was great the season before that one, the Vezina, but he was bad the season before that. Like his, his, he is up and down and up and down and he doesn't have a safety net behind him. Philip Gustafson. I mean, all due respect to him. He's played 27 NHL games. I know they got, you know, Jesper Wallstadt in, in the pipeline, but we, we, You'll never know with young goalies. So I think that this team is is one of the most overrated in the entire league. Yeah, they're a team that I'll be afraid of coming in. There's the price, I think, almost reflects that some of these things that need to go right are just going to go right. Like Marco Rossi, I, I'm high on him. I think he's still going to find a way to make it work. And Callan Addison's a good defender. But they're, those things can go right, and they're probably still just about fairly priced. And then, yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury's been all over the place. The last time we saw, he won the Vezina in Vegas, so he gets a ton of clout for that, which, fair enough. But that team was unreal, and the reason he got taken out was because Leonard still outperformed him, arguably, that season. So I think it's a lot of stock to just say, for sure, Fleury's a lock to be a good goalie this season, and that's definitely something you're banking on with this price. And and I think the reason people bank on that is because he's so well-liked among the media. Like, he just... For sure. He's, he's just well, like... You this... Compare it to Jordan Bennington, which, like, we can right. say, like... A lot of people don't like him. So that always, that's going to cut into the stock a little bit. And yeah, it's a lot easier to back a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury that no one's ever said a bad word about, but he has struggled on and off relatively consistently. And and this team has less cap space to work with because of the buyouts to Parisi and Suter, 14 million or 12 million, whatever it is in cap space. So like their, their um, ability to adjust in season is, is also going to be handicapped from that. Like like you said, I think that the 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 market is pricing this team, and they do it all. The, it feels like the, the the market always does this with the Wild that they're pricing them as if everything is just a certainty to go their direction. And you know, maybe more things cra- uh, crack their way than don't. Uh, they're still a, a good team. They, they got a high end superstar in Kirill Kaprizov, who I don't think is a terrible you know uh, MVP bet at fifteen to one. If you're going to bet someone outside of that top tier, but there there's just enough here that they shouldn't be minus 400. They shouldn't be the disparity between them and the blues is just way too wide. Um, and even like you look at Nashville, Dallas and, and Winnipeg, like if you're going to throw all these teams in front of me, I would probably put the wild as my least favorite bet. Do I think that doesn't mean I think they're the worst team of the group, but just from a betting perspective and, and going into the season, like the, they're the one I think is priced out of whack the most. My main point I'd just say is like, I don't like them as a cup future at all. Whether they make it or whatever in the soft central, I just don't see how it's going to be that much different than we even saw last year where St. Louis beat them pretty handily. I don't think they could feel unlucky to get the result they got in that season. There's not enough reasons for upside where I I think a cup future on them is strong and then whatever, maybe they end up strong enough to get through St. Louis, they get Colorado the next round. So I just think these prices are pretty short. Uh, Let's stick with another team that I think is overrated, uh, the Nashville Predators, who in that same kind of vein, had everything go right for them last year, almost under the radar until it didn't like losing you Saros before the Colorado series, which they weren't going to win with him anyways, was a massive, massive blow. And 
you know, he got hurt right before the season ended. So maybe they could have avoided that matchup. However you want to, you know, paint it. That was a terrible uh, stroke of bad luck. But before that, I mean, they got a career year out of Philip Forsberg, a generational year from a defenseman in Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson turned back the clock. Uh, I think everyone had kind of just written them off uh, at some point, but uh, they, they have these resurgent years. So the Predators end up getting basically the ceiling from every player they needed to get the ceiling from. And now they're being priced 40 to one, 50 to one to win the Stanley cup. They're the, they're head of St. Louis in terms of, um, you know, season point totals and divisional odds and in, in, in most places. I think the predators, I, I don't, you know, particularly do, do it often, but like, if you're going to tie up money for a whole year and a miss to miss the uh, playoff bet, like they're plus 70, 170 to miss the playoffs. I think that's uh, pretty high. And I, and they're just a team I think is generally overrated um, going into the season unders miss the playoffs, however you want to play them. I, I'm against uh, Nashville here. I think that they'll be the, one of the, we could see five and three uh, make the playoffs in the West, maybe five out of the Pacific and three in the central. Uh, but even if it's, you know, four and four or five and three, I like, I could totally see the predators completely bottoming out here uh, and, and just being mediocre. Yeah, I think I think they are going to be mediocre. I think the bottom might not be too low, barring a potential Saros injury, just because he is going to win them some games, probably regardless of how they play. We saw that the year before when they truly were somewhat of a bad team. But yeah, it seemed like a lot of things went right last year. We saw really good performances from some aging veterans that I think to count on them to even play at that level again this season is, is unlikely. And then we saw guys like Tanner Janot had, I think we're not going to see more from him this season. And he was a crucial part of their team. So I just think there's a lot of things that that could work out poorly. And and the prices you're, you're seeing kind of reflect somewhat of a lock that they're going to be the postseason. So yeah, I think like you said, plus 170 to miss playoffs is a pretty strong number. And the Saros injury, like, I mean, I don't, I know they didn't have a great backup last year, but you know, it's Kevin Lankin and who struggled last year. So there's no safety net there um, on Nashville. Let's uh let's talk about Dallas now, who I think of all the teams in the Western Conference and maybe the NHL, I feel like I have the worst feel for them. Uh new coach Peter DeBoer, a goaltender Jake Oninger, who's being kind of priced and talked about like he's uh, a shoe-in to be a top ten goalie in the league. Uh, I don't know about that. He was great in the playoffs, but that was seven games. He was, he was pretty much bang average. Uh and for a 23-year-old, that's what you'd expect uh, during the regular season. And they're going to need him because you know, their safety net's gone. I, I like Scott Wedgwood as a backup, but last year they went into the season with four goalies, Ben Bishop, Ottinger, uh, Braden Hopi, and Anton Hudobin. And now it's, you know, it's Ottinger and, and Wedgwood. So we just don't know how Ottinger is going to perform over uh, an entire season. They lose John Klingberg, who I think is not a huge loss defensively and in front of Ottinger, but he's someone who's been there for a while. Very good uh, in the offensive zone, keeps plays alive very well. Um, so he's gone. Jason Robertson still not signed. So that's another issue. If you're going to be investing in like season point totals, because he scored what 40 something goals for them last year uh, and was part of one of the best lines in hockey, Pavelski hints and Robertson. But then behind them, that's when the questions really start to be asked, right? We know that they have the good first line. They've got a good top two on defense and, and Suter and Heiskanen, but the depth is a, is a question here. Um, I'd like Peter DeBoer as, as a coach for, you know, a couple seasons with every team, he seems to wear his welcome out, but this is a new team. So he usually has his teams playing pretty well, five on five. So there is some upside, but I think there's more downside. So in other words, I think where their price, which is like right smack in the middle of the board is, is about right. Yeah, that looks fair to me. And I, I think I'm high enough on them to think that this works towards a missed postseason bet for the Predators a little bit, that they're generally regarded below them. But yeah, and I think you touched on it with Robertson, but getting involved in this team in any way to start the year without him signed, like I think they're going to work it out. But getting involved without him signed seems a little crazy. They were one of the most one line, like they were so carried by that top line last year at times. It was almost, it was almost crazy the results they even got having one line playing at such a high level, reasonable goaltending and a strong defense pair and, and managing to get reasonable results behind that. So yeah, they're definitely a team I'd be careful of. They played 
21 or 22 overtime games last year and they won 15 too. So, you know, they, they barely like the predators barely just got into the playoffs. They were, the predators were the last team into the field uh, in the Western conference last season and had everything go right. Dallas was one point ahead of Nashville and won 15 overtime games. So if they even just split those Vegas gets in over them. Uh, so this is another thing to keep in mind. Dallas, they're, they're around 50 to one to win the Stanley cup. So it's not like, you know, I'm not saying like, Oh, they're overrated. I'm just, you know, I just think that they're probably where they belong. And um, another team, I think you can sit back and wait. And, and if they are better, you're still, you'll still catch a good number on them. Uh, now, a team that I do like relative to where they are in the market is Winnipeg. They're 60 to one to win the Stanley Cup, not endorsing that. But I just think they're better than people. They're coming off a really bad year. They're coming off a very bad year. Their coach resigned in the middle of, you know, down stretch in the winter. The players just nobody seemed to really be gelling. It was a strange, strange year in Manitoba. Uh, and they were still hanging around. Like they they didn't really go away till you know mid-March or so. And uh when when things finally came undone, and, and by that time they'd already traded away some some important players. Uh and, and the offensive core is still there with uh Dubois, even though he, you know, he's already said that you know he'll play his contract out and he's probably gonna leave. And Shifley, who who was in trade rumors, and Blake Wheeler was in trade rumors, but you know, they got Kyle Connor, they got uh Cole Perfetti uh coming should be breaking into the league as well and being a high upside youngster. So the top six is still dangerous enough. And the goaltending with Connor Hellebuck is still good enough where if Rick bonus who coached the jets in 1988, 1989, uh, before I was born, um, <laughs> he's back, he's back in Winnipeg. Um, I think he's actually kind of the right coach for this team because they don't need, they don't need someone to like micromanage. They just need someone to, to kind of keep them on, on, on the arrow. Uh, I like the upside here. Don't know if it's more of a game to game thing. If it's uh you know, a sprinkle on Hellebuck to win the Vezina is as, as a, or Kyle Connor to, to win the heart, uh, the rocket Richard is most goals or um, you know, something like that. But I, I think even, even bonus as a, as a Jack Adams outsider, I just, I like Winnipeg. Is, is what I'm trying to say much more than the market. Everyone's out on the jets. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little lower on the jets than you too. I'll defend Connor Hellebuck. I thought he was better last year than people thought on a team that was a, a bit of a train wreck defensively, but I just, and I like bonus and I can see the past upside. Kyle Connors, unreal. Nikolai Ehlers might be one of the more, the more underrated guys in the whole league. And I think that line is going to fly, but I still just think, Shifley Wheeler, they're both very bad in their own end, which I think is a big concern with this defense core. Maybe Bonas gets them playing a little differently to an extent, but for me, it's it's going to be a big ask for them to play defensively well enough. And I just think the question marks are real. I think they're a team I'll probably just be looking to target some of those guys in fantasy and uh, perhaps on some player awards. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, Ehlers is is three hundred to one to win uh, the Hart Trophy, which is not going to win. But I, I I like that as like if you're going to pick someone really really deep down the board because you could see him have like a a Huberdeau, Jonathan Huberdeau from last season kind of point total with playing with Shifley and Connor. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think you're maybe I'm I think I'm probably too high on the Jets. I I liked them last year too, and maybe I just haven't learned my lesson with them. Uh, so hopefully I'm a little quicker to adjust uh, on this team if if things don't go well. Um, now we get to talk about the also rans in the division, uh, Arizona and Chicago. I want to start with Chicago because I have a lot to say about Arizona, but I know you have a lot to say about the Blackhawks. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen, I've been high on Chicago to finish with the worst regular season record, which can be had at around plus 400. 
there's a lot of reasons this team could be quite bad. I think we saw last season how ugly it got, and I don't think there's much reason it's going to turn around. And Davidson, their GM, he's spoken out that they don't want to overuse their young guys, which is a point that I like heading into this, because if they're not going to use some of these young guys, what's left is really weak. I think the defense cores, it's pretty awful. Uh, Kane and Taves are both winding down, even if Patrick Kane bounces back with a bit of a better year than we saw last season. There's still a lot of areas that they could really struggle up front. And then Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi, they're both going to play fairly big minutes. And I'm pretty low on both of them. And they're getting priced here with some some onus that those two vets are going to be relatively effective. And I think they're both going to struggle in the roles that they're being given. Like we saw, I sent you the power play unit for this team and it, it does not look good right now. I think Taylor Radish was... I liked him over some of the guys that were out there. So yeah, I think it's uh there's a lot of areas that they could really struggle and the goaltending tandem should be quite poor again. Yeah. There's not much more to add there. Uh, I think, you know, if you listen to our Eastern conference preview on the action network podcast feed, uh, we break down why we like the flyers as a wooden spoon bet. Uh, the Blackhawks, I think are another strong one. If you, if you have both those teams in your pocket, you're probably going to come out ahead because we love the Arizona Coyotes on this podcast, at least relative to the market. They're the favorite to win uh, the wooden spoon finish with the worst record plus 250. There's a couple of things I like about Arizona that makes me think that their floor is just a little bit higher than uh, what the market's pricing it at. And, and first of all, they become the butt of every joke in the NHL. Like the Arizona Coyotes are the where the Islanders kind of were a decade ago, uh, the doormat of the the league, the, the, the team with the arena issues. The media makes fun of them because they were, you know, the empty seats and the, the market and everything. Uh, so that right away, that depresses the value on a team. And I just don't think they're going to be that bad. Like they played hard for their coach, who I think is pretty good. Andre Torini uh, last season, the goaltending, like Carol Vamelka v- in his first NHL season out of nowhere um, was a complete unheralded goaltender came in and, played better than I think people expected. He wasn't great, but um, you know, slightly below average or wherever he ended up is fine on a team like this. And he showed the ability to win games on his own. If he's a little more consistent, which I think is the plan, you know, when you think about uh, you know, taking a step forward for, for a goaltender, then this team becomes the floor goes up a little higher. Then you also have this young core that's now playing together for another season. So th- there's just enough, pointing in the right direction it's still like this is going to be a 67 point team you know or eight a 72 point team at its ceiling uh which is you know bad but it's just this, they're being priced like they're going to be the worst team in the league i think chicago is worse than them i think arizona has more reason uh, more incentive to like show up every day and play hard and part of the reason they have been made fun of so much is they're going to be playing at the arizona state university hockey rink seats 3500 or so I actually think that's a sneaky spot to keep an eye on uh, from a betting perspective. NHL players are such creatures of habit. Like it's just going to be weird for the opposing teams to walk into this arena uh, and play an NHL game in it. Like they haven't played in front of these crowds since junior or college or whatever. Uh, And the Coyotes are going to be used to it. They're just going to be, you know, familiar with the surroundings, with the facilities, everything. So I actually think we could have a little bit of a, a poor man's Vegas flu situation where, the Coyotes just have a, a much better record at home than they do on the road and teams struggle there. So I'm going to be targeting Arizona uh, at home games. I think that they, they'll they be big prices. They're going to be an underdog basically every game this season, except for when they play, you know, Chicago at home and Philadelphia at home and maybe Buffalo uh, and Montreal. But so you're going to get paid off on it. And I think if you're ahead of the, the curve in a situation like that, you know, it's worth the risk of it not being a thing. So uh, I like, this is a, uh, you know, it sounds like I'm, you know, pumping their tires to, to like win the Stanley cup or something, but I just think that they're, this is a 70 point team and that's great. Yeah. I, I think, uh, there's a little more upside defensively than the Hawks, which is probably the one area I would defend. And I love Bejmelko when he's on. So I see the narrative there that he could be better in the Hawks goalies. We know they're going to be a bottom team and are probably content to be in the lottery mix but hopefully just a little less of the time than the odds makers are expecting for us. Yeah. The, the, 
the, the defense situation is interesting too because Jacob Chikrin has said like he's just waiting to be traded and he's there. You know, he's not a great best defenseman, but he's their best defenseman almost by by like default here, at least the most complete. But you know, you could see like Victor Soderstrom or or Connor Timmins, uh, you know, take step forwards. Shane Gosses Bear was really good last year in in, in his role. Uh, and then yeah, like like we said, like Vishmelka, and then I think it's Ivan Provostov who will be the other young goalie in Arizona. And if he's good, who knows? Like, but uh, I just think they're going to be tough to play against in in a way too. They're they're pretty big, like in uh, like they they could be like a like a nasty team to play against with uh nick you think about the like nick ritchie and zach cassian in their top six uh lawson kraus Kristen fisher liam o'brien like these are guys who just are not gonna be fun to play against uh and then the top six is of course like like you just said they're gonna be bad uh but you know clayton keller nick schmaltz was good last year uh barrett hayton could take a step forward so there's just enough here uh that i think arizona will be better than one of the two worst teams in the league uh, or two, two teams in the league, which they, they weren't the worst team in the league last year. So that is already saying something and, and kind of goes to show because everyone just assumed that they were going to be historically bad and they weren't. Um, but that's it for the central division. We'll move to the Pacific and we'll talk about a team you and I both like uh, as a Stanley cup future, the Calgary flames. Yeah. I'm, I'm high on the flames as a cup future. I think one thing that we're, as we dive into a reader or listeners are going to notice like I'm pretty high on a fair amount of teams in this division. So my favorite way to attack the Flames is with the cup outright because I think they have that upside. That said, I think that their points total could get cut into a little more than than people think. And there are a lot of avenues where I think they could lose the division race somewhat at the time. So yeah, I think the cup outright future is my favorite play on the Flames. Uh, they're still going to have really solid goaltending with Jacob Markstrom. They brought in Mackenzie Wieger who's going to bolster what should be a really solid defensive core. Uh, and we saw under coach Sutter last year, they played really structured, really good hockey kind of fell apart a little in the postseason, but I think the upside to win the cup is is still there for sure. Yeah. They're hanging around like 16, 18 to one. They are priced to be a little bit worse than Edmonton, who are the favorite to win the division. I think that that should flip. Uh, like you, I like the the cup future. I think if you're going to bet this team, just they're not only are they uh, a team that just feels very steady and just going to should be able to make the playoffs almost, you know, much more often than not, but they're, they're also going to be a tough out in, in the postseason. Like this is a team that's deep. Uh, They're, they're kind of full chock full of those like cliche, tough playoff type players. Uh, And then they have the upside of, uh, the, the Uberdo types uh, and like in, in a weird way, like Markstrom, that the, the situation with that Markstrom in is in, is like maybe the best in the league right now. So like as a, he's a great goaltender, we already know that, but he's also going to be insulated. He, you know, this is a good defensive team. Daryl Sutter will make sure of that. Uh, and like you said, I think the defense got better with Mackenzie Weger coming in. Uh, they, they also bring in, you know, Nazem Kadri to, they lose Kachuk, they lose Goudreau, they bring in Kadri, they bring in Uyghur, they bring in Uberdo. Somehow they might have got better from from even after losing those guys. So this is a team, yeah, I. there's not much else to say. They were one of the best 5-on-5 five five teams last year. They were the best team at preventing 5-on-5 five five goals last season. And I think that stuff is going to carry over to the season. The offense might take a little bit of time to click, which does scare me in terms of like point totals or division, whatever. Uh, so yeah, the, just go big on the Flames. Or, yeah, yeah. And I think we saw their bottom six was ugly in the postseason last year. I love Sonny Milano. I think I was waiting to see what team gives him a PTO and it was the Flames. And I think he's going to make it and stick. And if he gets a decent role, I think he could actually be somewhat of a relevant addition. And then, yeah, you talked about the insulation. Like, I don't think Markstrom's a better goaltender than Thatcher Demko, but I would probably personally bet he finishes with better numbers just because the defense he's going to play behind comparatively. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I'd also agree with about Sonny Milano, a good Long Island boy. Uh, Sonny Milano is. Let's let's talk about the other side of the Battle of Alberta. Uh, whereas I think the Flames are uh, slightly underrated despite their status as a Stanley Cup favorite. I think the Edmonton Oilers, because of what they did last season, uh, that run they went under, they went on under Jay Woodcroft, where they were basically playing at 119 point pace throughout the regular season. Then they beat the Flames in round two. Uh, and played closer than the the sweep would suggest against Colorado in round three. 
But everyone, because of McDavid and Dreisaitl, they they made the Jack Campbell move, so they should have their goaltending, you know, quote unquote, situated. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, everyone's higher on Edmonton than Calgary. Not that I'm fading Edmonton entirely. I think that they make the playoffs. I think that they're just going to be a vulnerable favorite by the time we get to the spring. Yeah, the Oilers are a team. I'd almost say I'm fading them. Like I'm not playing them in any markets. I know this this could go badly because those two guys at the top could carry them pr- pretty pretty far. But I don't think they're going to get more from them than they saw last year in the postseason. And you could talk about maybe things could have gone better versus Colorado. They also got to round three, beating a very depleted Los Angeles Kings team in round. Like that was a they were hurting, and they beat them in seven games in round one. And I think a couple games in that series, we're hearing all the same narratives, even from Oilers fans, where they're picking apart their team and management. And then they come out and they win that series in seven games. And they get by the Flames, which credit to them was was a huge win for them. And obviously here that counts for a lot to win that series. But I think we're starting to reach a little bit on the upside of this team when I think there are still some clear flaws. And then, yeah, Jack Campbell, I think I literally personally know dozens of Oilers fans that love to rip on Toronto last year and specifically rip on how Campbell couldn't take that team anywhere. And then somehow he comes into this, into Edmonton inheriting what I think is actually a worse defensive team. And he's apparently about to thrive. And for me, I just think that's, that's a bit of a reach. And I think there's a lot of things that need to go right for this team to be a legit cup contender. Yeah. The, the assumption that Campbell's just, worth like five million five five times five contract is is interesting uh it's a weird change in narrative uh they the the Leafs saw the best and worst of Campbell last year he was incredible for the first couple months terrible in the middle got hurt started to trend back up and was good enough in the playoffs to be on a team that should have won its series but I mean, you saw you saw Jack Campbell the Jack Campbell experience in in a nutshell there uh which is we don't know. We just don't know if he's, I think he's going to either be, you know, slightly above average, slightly below average uh, with, with, you know, these kind of peaks and valleys uh, by the time the season ends. And Stuart Skinner, I know there's some people high on him as a young goalie as his backup, but you know, this is his first true go around with an NHL role. So who, who knows? And yeah, it's like the, the, to me, the Oilers and Flames, they should be swapped. And I think Vegas, who we'll talk about next is a little bit closer to Edmonton uh, that the odds suggest uh, the Knights bring in Bruce Cassidy from Boston, who, I mean, it's so funny that this is how coaching goes these days, except for the very few, uh, like, you know, John Cooper's of the world, uh, that you just eventually wear out your welcome. But Bruce Cassidy was a great coach for the Bruins, had them as one of the best defensive teams in each of his seasons, never missed the playoffs, got them to the Stanley Cup final, to game seven of a Stanley Cup final, not that long ago, 2019, when they lost the Blues. And now he takes it over a team that has enough offensive upside that he should, he's a good fit. Like he should be able to get this team defensively sound. He's got his, he loved to lean on uh, like Charlie McAvoy and really ride his number one defenseman. And he's got one in, in Petrangelo. He'll have, you know, Shea Theodore uh, healthy. So this is a team that because of all the things that went wrong for them last year, there was automatically going to be a little bit of buyback value on. And then Robin Leonard gets hurt. Uh, we don't know about Laurent Brossois. Their goaltending tandem looks like it might be Logan Thompson, who I know you're pretty high on, and Aiden Hill. So like that kind of deflated the price even more. So all of a sudden, I think Vegas is looking like a, a buy team uh, heading into the season. Yeah, I think they are. Um, I think Bruce Catch, Cassidy at, to win the Jack Adams is a, a very realistic bet. Like what we saw from Boston, that team was always super structured, very successful, looked really sharp and just just winning the right way and i think we could see a lot of that carry over and yeah vegas uh, you know they're a team that i think we we talk about it with jordan bennington where it's like we can pretty much just say the average person doesn't like vegas doesn't like the way they've been managed but i think that is kind of blinding some people to the fact that this is still a really strong roster and what they went through last year like yes ultimately the way things went they didn't make the postseason it was a little ugly they also had some of the worst man games loss situations of any team in the league. They got essentially nothing out of Mark Stone all year. So supposedly his back's better coming into this season. That could be a huge addition. 
I'm still pretty high on Jack Eichel. I know you think he's a solid play to win the heart. And I, I completely agree with that. He's got all the tools. I think people are probably sleeping on just how much upside he has as a player. So I think they do still have some elite pieces and pretty reasonable depth. And I think, yeah, Logan Thompson, he's unproven, but he has the upside of a lot of other middle of the pack goalies in the NHL. And we talk about, you know, extensively how many starters do we know for sure are locked to be really good quality goaltending in this league. And it's a pretty short list. So I think there's teams heading in with a worse duo than Vegas. And and yeah, they're a team I'm going to be looking to get involved with this year. Yeah, I like uh, Eichel. He's 75 to 1 uh, to win the heart. Uh, he's healthy, playing for a team that has playoff aspirations. And he's got a supporting cast, uh, his best supporting cast of his career. We've seen him at, b- before he got hurt, he was like a point per game player in his healthy seasons on a terrible Buffalo team. So if you think he can play 82 games and you know you add a few points because of the, the quality of teammates all of a sudden you're getting close to 100 points and uh he'll have the bounce back narrative so i i like the knights uh investing in the knights in that kind of way like eichel like you said i think cassidy is a good shout for jack adams logan thompson whether you want to bet like the rookie of the year markets or best in a long shot also worth it i think this team is is someone you just you want to be on board with rather than against uh, at their current price because of uh, their roster and the market sentiment on them. The Los Angeles Kings were the surprise team that took Vegas's playoff spot last year. They're coming in at 35 to one to win the Stanley cup. They were pretty close to triple digits last year. You're expecting another step forward from Los Angeles. I think they're pretty fairly priced. I I don't know how much I believe in the goaltending. Like Jonathan quick was great last year. Uh, but this is supposed to be Cal Peterson's team. He he didn't really show very well last year. I still think he's fine. Uh, but you, yeah, you're buying the Kings. Yeah, I'm still buying on the Kings. The market's dipped a little. So probably getting a little less uh, value with the current prices than what we saw earlier in the summer. But I still think it's really likely this is a really good team. They fought through a lot of injuries at the end of last year. And they still, it it allowed a lot of their young stars to shine and and develop and Guys like Sean Dersey, I think, are really going to take steps forward this year. Mikey Anderson's a stud back there. So their defensive core is actually one that I really like and I think holds a ton of upside. If they can get Drew Doughty healthy and playing effectively, they've got a lot of reason that I think they can be quite strong at both ends of the ice. And then, yeah, Kevin Fiala, another player I love. He gives some legitimate offensive punch. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that can work out right for the Kings this year. I agree with you on the goaltending. It's definitely a step beneath some of the other teams in the division, but I still think they're, they're a young team that I expect to take steps forward this year. Uh, it's a similar situation. I think with Vancouver, like it's a, a young, young team, they have the upside, but the market and pundits fans, everyone kind of seems to be handling Vancouver with a lot of, uh, they're handling them carefully almost like they don't want to, I think if this was before last season, a lot more people would be like, oh, I'm, I'm all in on Vancouver. Like we, we, we'd we see that kind of with Winnipeg a lot. Like people like this is the year Winnipeg's going to take a step forward and, uh, you know, do what they did a, a few seasons ago when they went to the Western Conference final. But I was surprised that people seem to be pumping the brakes or at least, you know, they'll get to the line for Vancouver and then they just won't step over it to like be like the person is saying like, oh, I'm all in on the Canucks. Um, and that's kind of how they're priced. I think there's like, if there's going to be like a team that just comes out of, out of nowhere and, and cracks a hundred points from, from that middle pack that nobody's expecting, it'll be Vancouver. Uh, but I also could see this thing just not working out because of the defense core. So I, that's my way of saying I'm with everyone else. I'm, I'm being careful with this team. Yeah, I agree. I like the upside of the Canucks too. And if it seems like I, like a lot of metropolitan teams, I think it's, be, or sorry, metropolitan Pacific teams. It's because I do comparatively, like I think this year, the narrative's flipping a little where we might see five teams out of the Pacific make the playoffs and three out of the central. And for the previous couple of years, that's not been how it's been at all. That would have been quite a hot take to think it would have gone five and three. And I think this year it's a possibility. So yeah, like there's, you know, cause I'm fairly high on Vegas, Seattle. I think Vancouver a chance to get, get back into the mix. I like a lot of what they're, what they've got going on. So yeah, I think, and, and that also ties into why I'm a little lower on the Oilers and why I think they're a team that I tread lightly getting involved with just because they're, 
they're really strong when McDavid and Drysaddle are doing what they're doing, but we're basically counting on them absolutely dominating and being healthy in what's going to be a much more competitive division. So yeah, I think Vancouver, another team, like I'd hate to endorse them to be bad. And I think the defense core is going to be a, a clear flaw. That's obviously the one thing everyone's going to point to. They've got a pretty strong top nine up front, especially if Kuzmenko comes in and makes a difference. Pod Colson could be a useful player. I, I still like his skill set a lot. And I think Boudreaux is going to find a way to tap into that a little more um, with a full training camp. But yeah, they're, they're a team with some upside. And I think Thatcher Demko, he's the best goal in the division. Like that'd be my opinion. I don't think I'd even debate it. I really love Thatcher Demko. I think he's tremendous. So yeah, I think Vancouver for me is still one that I, I'm fairly high on, but I'm just, the division's going to be sneaky tough this year, I think. Uh, if you listen to our season preview podcast where we went over our favorite uh, NHL awards, I talked about Demko as a as a Hart Trophy flyer. He's like 18 to 1 or so to win the Vezina. I just think that if he has the type of season where he's able to beat out Vasilevsky and Shesterkin, Sorokin, Saros, and gets this team to the playoffs because of that defense, it, it will be a monster season. And he's like 200, 300 to 1 to win the Hart because he's a goalie. And goalies very rarely win. We've had four since 1997 and one since... Uh, I think only one since 2002, which was Carey Price in 2013. So I, I think that's the way I would invest in Vancouver is, is backing him uh, to win the heart. But yeah, this is a, it, it, there's a few teams out there where you could tell me, yeah, uh, you're going to wake up in April and the Canucks are going to have 103 points. And I'll be like, yeah, it's fine. Or you can tell me they're going to have a hundred or they're going to have like 84. I'll be like, yeah, it makes sense. Maybe things went wrong. Yeah, because so, the, the decor, like they were, and the way they were playing too, they were just chipping everything out. It was kind of ugly. That was Boudreaux's main solution. He came in and just, and I think it's possible teams, and they ran really good in one goal games under Boudreaux. We all knew they were due for an uptake, but they did run really good in those one goal games and really, really got great results from Demko down the stretch. So that's kind of the knock. I think there's a lot of pros with regards to the offensive core that could work out outside of, I think, JT Miller's probably a logical step back candidate, but Besser, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Podkolzin, there's enough talent there that I think there is, there's some things to like about that team for sure. I don't think there's that much to like about San Jose, which here's a surprising nugget from last season that I didn't know. Uh, I do a 32 team preview uh, on the action network where I kind of just go uh, through each team. It's kind of size up where they are in the market whether I think they're overrated, underrated, just right. Give out an actionable bet to take away. The San Jose Sharks were the team with the most unders last season, which is really strange because their defense was not great. And their goaltending, you know, James Reimer was good, but he was James Reimer good. He wasn't like, uh, you know, Shesterkin or Saros level. Uh, so that surprised me. And I think that we'll probably see a market correction there. So I like thinking, because I don't think this defense has got any better, probably got worse. Um, I like the idea of backing sharks or looking to target sharks overs uh with a Kakinen and Reimer tandem behind that defense which lost you know Jacob Middleton and, and Burns who I know is not a great defensive defenseman but um and then the forward group I, I mean I don't know what their the plan is here with uh you know doubling down on you know Tomas Hurdle now they got to pay Timo Meyer they've got Logan Couture on a big contract already Eric Carlson on the defense is already on a big deal so it's like really hard for this team just to tear it down to the studs so they're just in this weird i call it worse than purgatory like because they're much closer to hell than than heaven uh so uh i i think that even at these prices like i could i think seattle's better than san jose uh and i could see the sharks ruining being the team that like really frustrates us and ruins our flyers or blackhawks worst record in the league bet that was exactly what my in post gonna be i don't have a lot I'm playing or looking towards on the Sharks at all. I'm hoping they avoid, there'll be a team I'm hoping to fade having the worst record in a market that I, I've got those, the Blackhawks and Flyers involved with. And yeah, there's, I don't think a lot of upside with the team. There's enough strong veterans there that, you know, should keep them from being the league bottom. And that's why, you know, I don't think there's strong play at plus 700 to be the worst team in the league or whatever the maybe plus 900s are out there. But yeah, I, I think pretty safe to be fairly bad and just hopefully not too bad. Uh, and a reminder, we will preview the Sharks and Predators uh, season opening 
trip to Prague in the Czech Republic at the end of the week, Friday and Saturday. They open the season uh, with an episode on Thursday morning. Uh, so stay, stay tuned for that one. And then we will be back on our regular Tuesday morning, Thursday morning cadence uh, following that. And you can, of course, listen to all our season preview pods anywhere you listen to Line Change. And our Eastern Conference preview is also on the Action Network podcast uh, yeah. channel. All right, let's talk about uh, the Anaheim Ducks, who finished one point behind San Jose last year, which is a little strange because Anaheim had that crazy winning streak in November. Like usually when you have a streak like that, you're going to make the playoffs, but then they just completely capitulated. Uh, Trevor Zegers is hurt. Uh, he, he got hurt during the preseason game. Not totally sure how long he's going to be out for. Um, the Ducks did something strange this offseason uh, where they, going into the summer, it looked like they're they're going to not do exactly what the Blackhawks do, did by just tearing things down uh, in, in order to tank, but come close to it. And then they signed Ryan Strom, Frank Vetrano, and John Klingberg. So... Yeah, a little, that was a little weird and, and kind of raises the floor on the team a bit. So I actually think on a game-to-game basis that this team is going to be bettable, assuming Zegris, by the way, is okay and, and like healthy. Because uh, I like John Gibson as a bounce-back candidate in goal. I don't think the defense is terrible, as like bad as like the rest of the, the teams in this range. So Anaheim is, you know, I, I, I said that the Sabres, the Coyotes will probably be the teams I have the most individual bets on throughout the season. I think Anaheim will be up there as well. I think that they'll be a little underrated on a game-to-game basis at big numbers. Yeah, some of those, they so they brought in the vets, and I think you can see how they shouldn't be too bad. The floor should be pretty reasonable, safely away from the bottom-bottom. I think maybe I'm a little lower on them. Some of the moves, personally, and the next team, obviously the last team we're going to touch on, the Kraken, they end up with this guy. I didn't see how Anaheim weren't very interested in beating Seattle's offer for Bjorkstrand by uh, something. I think they should have had a lot more on the table to take that, especially when they followed up by signing veterans. But like you said, while they still have Klingberg and, and Strom should be able to build on what they did last year to an extent. So they could be a team that ends up being a little undervalued to start the season. Yeah, they're, and I actually think Dallas Eakins is is a fine coach as well. Like I, I, I maybe I'm wrong because he's now uh, on his second team, and uh, they're they're not terribly close to making the playoffs. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I I, and I think I think just to touch on like kind of a general NHL can, uh, handicapping note, I think the Ducks were a really good example of it last year. So we saw them; they came out and they clicked into gear early, and they were playing better, and they did run good in in close games early, but they found their form and it's always important to try to watch for that early, try to try to pick apart the teams that are coming out surprisingly good. You don't want to be too rigid in your, in your mindset of exactly what you expect from a team. But with that said, as the other teams clicked into gear, we saw they were still just playing at the same level and they started to fall apart late. So it kind of went from a thing where early on you could find some value with the ducks and then they became kind of a logical regression candidate down the stretch. And that's kind of, there's always going to be a few teams, I think, like that that are rated quite poorly coming into the year, and you can kind of clearly see they've they've got a little something going, and they whether it was just things going well in training camp or that sort of thing. I think that's always something we want to watch for heading into the season. Uh, and finally, we'll talk about the team that finished last in the Pacific last year, the second year Seattle Kraken. They finished on sixty points, a minus sixty nine goal differential. If you're listening to the show, you probably know this already, but the Kraken had just absolutely awful goaltending from a tandem that nobody saw that coming from, especially with the defense defensive personnel in front of them. Just by leveling out Grubauer and Dreger, for some reason they signed Martin Jones. But just like leveling those guys out, you you're already adding like probably eight points, ten points to this what they did last year. Then you add Bjork Strand uh, and some better puck luck offensively. And this team starts to becoming a floor of 74, 78 points and that's enough to like start getting me involved in them on, especially on a game to game basis. I think the, the Kraken relative to where their price are, are, are by we love Bjork strand. Andre Burakovsky gives them more solidity in their, uh, you know, middle six. He's, he's, he can play anywhere on the lineup. He's, he's won two cups now. Uh, Burakovsky, good for him. Uh, Jordan Everly, Jared McCann, and like Janus Schwartz, like that's not a, a great, you know, you're not going to get great production out of those guys, but if kind of everybody performs to their, career average of that bunch uh, that I just mentioned, this should be an all right team. Uh, so I think the Kraken are 
going to pay off on a game to game basis throughout the season. It was my worst take for sure. Entering the year, I thought that they were going to be fairly good. You weren't alone. Was, I saw one model. I can't, I'm not going to bring it up, but like who it was, but like there was a, a you know pretty respected person out there who had them as a second, second best team. In yeah, the league. there was, a, it's easy to pinpoint the number one thing that went wrong because the Drubauer, the goaltending tandem, it seemed like one where I thought it was going to be like a 1A, 1B type scenario where we're thinking they're collecting a good amount of points from the backup compared to some teams. And they got a solid starter in front of that. And it ended up being the exact opposite. But the, their team this year, I think their ceiling is way higher than people think. So I'm going to go back in. I, I think <laughs> they're a team that I'll be looking to bet on. So we'll we'll see how it starts to play out. But they're one that entering yeah. the season, I'm expecting them. I'm expecting things to go a lot better. And I like Matty Beignets. They got you know, enough upside with the young guys. The decor should be solid. The goaltending tandem has got to be a little better. So, yeah, they're a team entering the year. I think it's very realistic that they're far better than the Sharks and the Ducks in the division. That could definitely be something I'm wrong about moving forward. But it wouldn't surprise me if they end up a lot closer to the playoff race than people expect. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that if you're going to pick like one long shot to make the playoffs, it would Seattle would probably be the one because like you said, we could see five out of the Pacific with the, the central landscape being what it is. It's not a guarantee. Los Angeles uh, builds on what they did. Maybe Vegas doesn't bounce back as well. And then you got Vancouver, who's uh, like we said, kind of high, high upside, but also has a pretty low floor. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying to say because both you and I were, were, I, I wasn't, all in on Seattle last season, but I was definitely higher on them than uh, I thought I was going to be. And it did not work out well uh, at all. So uh, right back, right back to the paint train, the crack and paint train, <laughs> two, two years, two years in. And, and I they're easy to like too. Yeah. Like I want to root for them. And I think yeah. the logic is there. They have, they don't have those top stars, but they have a, a lot of depth. Like yeah. it's, it's a sneaky amount of depth, I think compared to a lot of these specific and- teams. And I have one thing too that kind of gives me a little bit more reason to believe in them, which is they they're gonna be a little desperate to be better. So let's say they do start hot, you know, whatever, they're in the playoff mix after 15 or 20 games. They could be the type of team that just says goes to Chicago and says, What do you want for Patrick Kane? You know, like or to, you know, another team that's that's fallen out of the race. What do you want for for this player? And 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 completely just by adding one kind of star producer changes the the facelift of the team. So, uh, and they have the room to do it, obviously, and 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 the assets. So, if if Seattle if Seattle does come out of the gates hot, like I would say, look out. That, uh, but uh, that's what I said last year too. So, uh, on that note, we'll wrap up uh, this episode of Line Change. For Nick Martin, I'm Michael Lebov reminding you that you can listen to our season preview pods where we went over our favorite team-based futures uh, in a quick-heading fashion and our favorite awards bets on, on this channel. We also have the Eastern Conference preview on the Action Network podcast channel, and we will be back on Thursday to preview the Prague games and then the following Tuesday uh, morning to talk about the season openers, the real season openers, I guess we'll call them, and then we'll be Tuesday, Thursday mornings from that point on. So until then, best of luck with all your bets, and we'll see you next time.